0: They're seeing a city reborn.
1: Oh yeah, we are here at the Anti-Cruelty Society of Chicago. Jess, do you say anti-cruelty or anti-cruelty?
0: I say anti-cruelty.
1: Once again, we can agree to disagree because the joy of collaboration is – that's so boring anyway. All right, we're here at the Anti-Cruelty Society of Chicago with the incredible Lydia Krupinski, who is going to be talking to us about, oh, so many topics. We are uh, absolutely thrilled that they are taking us in today. We've already seen some cats and some dogs. Uh, We are – Jess, how many are you trying to take home today?
0: 17. 17.
1: Okay, Jess is like a heart out at 17. I'm trying to go like 20 to 22. See, Lydia's already on the same page. She's like, this makes this makes a lot of sense. She's like, well, we'll throw in a calendar. Um, we are so excited to have uh, Lydia with us today. And Lydia, we're just going to start right in. Give us an overview. What exactly is the Anti-Cruelty Society of Chicago?
2: The Anti-Cruelty Society is Chicago's oldest and most comprehensive animal shelter. Uh, we have been here since. 1899 uh, which a lot of people may not realize so though we are older we're still pretty hip I like to think um, we have the most programming available from any animal shelter in the city uh, and we're also privately funded so those things make us really unique uh, we're not just taking animals in and then finding adoptive homes for them we have a lot of different resources for people so we have a field services department which goes out into the community and performs abuse and neglect investigation so that's pretty unique to us um, we're the only private privately funded organization in Chicago that has a team that's licensed through the state of Illinois to do that. Um, We also are the only shelter that has an education team. So we have a whole department of people who are devoted to taking the message of compassion and empathy um, outside of our walls and into schools, into the community. We're performing pop-up vaccine clinics in uh, neighborhoods that are economically challenged. So it's not, again, just about bringing the animals in, snuggling them, medicating them, getting them ready for their new home. It's also about going beyond the walls.
0: I was actually going to ask you what sets you apart from other clinics, but I feel like you covered it. So I mm-hmm. want to know on a daily basis kind of what challenges you guys might come up against here.
2: Yeah, so Being an open door shelter, we don't turn any animal away. So one of the things I think that's uh, very fulfilling about what we do, but also can kind of throw off your day if you're thinking from a staff member's perspective is you're coming in, you've got your cup of coffee, you're like, all right, I have these animals to take care of. I have 16 guinea pigs, I have, you know, 40 cats in a room that I need to clean up. But then being open door, we might have an animal walking in that needs immediate intervention. They may be coming in emaciated, you know, on, Death's doorstep, essentially, and we have to drop everything and take action. So that, I think, is a positive challenge. It's something that we step up to and is very unique to us. Uh, We're not making people, you know, uh, declare that they're bringing their animal in months in advance, putting people on waiting lists. We're like, we are here to take in anything, anyone who needs the help. So um, a great story of that is, um, and a very practical one, is there was a gentleman a couple years ago walking down the street by our building on his way to work, and a bird just flew up to him and lay it on his head. And he's like, "Uh, this is not how I wanted to start my day What is happening. And, you know, he's like, should I touch you? What happens? And he, you know, put his hand up onto his head, brought the bird down. He thought maybe it was a pigeon, but it was a dove. And it was this beautiful white dove that somehow ended up in downtown Chicago. No one knows why. She didn't have a tab or anything like that. And he's like, well, what do I do? And he walked in through our doors and we took her in. And I subsequently adopted her, so that is the best happy ending. <laughs> um, her name is Joey, and she's fabulous. But I think that's just a really good example. People also just think about cats and dogs, but right. we're a really open door to everyone. If you're not human, we can take you in. Essentially, that's amazing.
1: Jess, I feel like if I could be as good a communicator as Lydia, doors <laughs> would have opened for me. You know what I mean? In ways that they have not to this point. Um, but that's just me. You're a great communicator <laughs> ah, yourself, thanks. Jess. Um, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm. <laughs> Um, wow, this is so great. Can you tell us? Um, you know, there are a lot of people that uh, love the idea of rescuing a dog or a cat, but what are some of the common myths that surround um, just the concept of, a do- of, of rescue?
2: So there's a few different myths that we find ourselves kind of battling against. I think the biggest, most general one is people think of animals who come to shelters as used or you know potentially damaged, uh, and that's not the case at all. I mean, the animals that come here, they have so much love to give, and my, I frequently laugh about this behind the scenes, but there's such a green movement now, right, to think about sustainability and reducing, reusing, recycling, and I'm like... These animals, they're you know they've had homes, they've had lives, and it's not over yet. You're able to actually give them that second life, and so it's kind of in the theme of reusing, recycling. I always say to my husband, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, this is like the better dog because this is the dog that has the second chance now. So I think that's one of the big ones is to convince people like the animals that are here. There's nothing wrong with them. They're fantastic. They're amazing personalities, and they're ready to you know change your life as much as you're ready to change theirs. Uh, and then. A pretty big one that we continue to come up against is some myths about breed bias. Um, so a couple of years, we actually very intentionally removed the labeling of breeds from all of the dogs because it was such an issue. Uh, we would have these, you know, pit bull mixes or, or breeds that historically have negative maybe track records in the media and things like that. Sure. That we don't see, you know, the evidence of that when we have the dogs here, um, but people still did, and so they would be coming in and they'd be like, "Oh, you don't have anything but big, you know, block-headed dogs right now." And we're like, "Yeah, but these are really sweet dogs, and look beyond the label that you see on there." Sure. So we actually took those off. Um, For that reason, because we're like, you know, we really want people to look at the personality of the dogs. We want them to look at the disposition. You know, are you looking for a dog that's going to go running with you on the lakefront? That's going to be very different than a dog that's going to sit on a couch. And the breed has nothing to do with that. Um, Though we do acknowledge that there's some, you know, Tendencies to certain breeds like smaller dogs will sometimes be a little more yappy, but that's not across the board for every dog in that pool. Right. And so to be able to look at each animal as an individual can be a challenge for outsiders. And so that's something that we're constantly trying to address. I really love
0: that. That is something that you guys stress because I think, especially in this world where being woke is such an important mm-hmm. thing. It's interesting to hear that that is an issue in the animal world, yep. not just the human world.
2: Stereotypes exist. They exist. Yeah, and how and do you so battle if we're gonna them, right?
0: battle it, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a great way of doing it. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I look wouldn't have even thought of core. it that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. look beyond and look at the heart. Mm-hmm. And exactly. what the, what? And I think really, really what's important about adopting is finding the right kind of dog for you or cat yep. or animal. Yep. So what is that? Um, process look like like if a kid comes in and wants a certain cat or a dog mm-hmm. what, what is the process how long do the dogs and cats or any other animal typically stay here mm-hmm. before they're adopted
2: yeah so the another thing that's pretty unique about us and I didn't even realize this when I first started here ten years ago I thought this is just the way that animal shelters operate but we are a same day adoption center so it means you can come in and if you have you know if you're a renter and you have your lease with you if the whole you know household gives permission if we find an animal that's a good match to your lifestyle uh, you can take Take an animal home the same day and that's pretty awesome a lot of groups in for you know and for different reasons and they're all valid they have extended screening process times and so my brother when he was looking to adopt a dog he lives up in Wisconsin it took him a couple weeks to go through the process with the shelter that he adopted a dog from um, but we're not like that you know our goal besides bringing them in and giving them the best quality of care is keeping them out of cages, you know, as quickly as we can possibly get them out, we do. So um, so same-day adoptions are huge for us. So if someone's interested, best thing to do is to come on down. We have this main facility at LaSalle and Grand. This is kind of our hub. Uh, and then we also have an adoption center in the South Loop off of Canal and Roosevelt. It's in the PetSmart there. And then we have cats and rabbits scattered through PetSmarts throughout the city and the suburbs. So people can go, you know, meeting the animals face-to-face is really, I think, the best place to start because of the dispositions and the personnel. Um, Our volunteers and staff, they're coached and trained on how to make those connections and ask the right questions. Again, if your lifestyle is, you know, if you're a go-getter, flying all over the place, traveling all the time, you know, having a special needs puppy might not be a good fit for you. Um, But having a really independent cat that, you know, just wants to do their own thing could be a better option. So we try to guide people towards the best match. Uh, And then once they find somebody, it's just, it's a quick application process. We sit down with them, talk a little more with them, and then they can take the animal home same day. Um, Everyone's spayed and neutered before they hit the floor. So again, trying to make sure everything's ready to go. So we don't want to put barriers up for animals to finding their new homes. So
1: so Bella, who's with us today, um, who is our um, outreach warrior that's working with us here, <laughs> if we wanted to surprise her with a dog today that she can't possibly have in the university housing that she has, mm-hmm. we could just do that today. She could leave with that dog whether she wanted to or not. It's basically what you're saying.
2: <laughs> if she wanted to. I oh, guess okay. I would say, So that's so, where you
1: draw the line. Right, you would, right. you so would we, prefer we, not to put dogs yeah, in we, homes. We, we don't want
2: um, spontaneous adoptions. Okay. We really want it to be a thought-out process. We want people to have the animals for their entire lifespan. So if you're looking at a kitten who's six weeks old, you're looking at at least, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 years of cohabitation with this animal. Sure. So we want to make sure people are in it for the long haul. Uh, we do have resources and services in place. So if people fall into hard times, we have safety net programs because we want to sure. keep those relationships intact. But, you know, as much at the front end as we can coach people to say like. You know, right now, perhaps fostering is a better option. You want to have a companion, but maybe because of where you are in life, doing something long-term doesn't make sense. So take an animal home for two weeks Mm. or two months and give them a break from the shelter, and then you can bring them back, and that offers some more flexibility. So that's what I would recommend to your your warrior here. Yeah, Yeah. that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Bella, yeah, we'll find one right after this, Bella. take take her home
1: uh, it'd be Christmas. That's yeah, we're exactly doing, right. Yeah, we're
2: doing a whole Christmas spiel right now. It's called Foster for the Holidays. Great. And it's exactly that. Like take home an animal two days. So you can do a Saturday, Sunday or for two weeks. And it's just to get them out of the cage and to get some extra love.
1: That's tremendous. Um, So you are anti-cruelty, but you're not necessarily anti-responsibility. That's right.
2: Oh, yeah. No, not absolutely. Absolutely not. Especially since we have the field services department. I think it shows that there's this balance of like, hey, like we have the capability to go check in on you if we need to. Um, We um, do some adoption follow up with people who take animals home and frequently they are the ones that reach out to us faster because they're so excited about showing off, you know, this animal and how well they're acclimating to their new life. Um, So we have a lot of back and Forth. And then, you know, with the education that we do, so much of that emphasis is on preventing cruelty, preventing neglect, right. preventing abuse. So, if we were putting our animals in those positions, we would be negating that work. So, we're really careful to be, you know, holistic about it.
1: That's so smart. So, we'll just kind of end it here. This has been obviously so fascinating for me to learn about, let mm. alone our fantastic podcast listeners. Um, what, what was the moment in your life that kind of launched you into wanting to do? something like this you know one of the things that we talk about with giving is that there's an intensely personal side to things mm-hmm. that kind of touch your heart there's a lot of organizations mm-hmm. my wife and I give to that were like I don't know why this rocks me to my core, but I care very deeply about this random issue. So this mm-hmm. is where funds are gonna go. How did you kind of uh, come to work here at the ACS and, and what was that moment for you?
2: Yeah, so it's, it is a really specific moment in time. It's almost like my animal welfare conversion story, if you will. Um, I was living in New York City and I lived in Queens, commuted to Manhattan every day on the train. And one day I'm walking to the train and there's this beautiful, huge pit bull mix, like loose. And he's just running down the street, and I, you know, I didn't have any notions of breed bias at the time, and and was not really aware of that, uh, of that stigma, and and so in my naive way, I just got down on all fours, and I'm like, "Hey, cute dog, come here!" And I start patting my lap, and he just comes barreling towards me, like knocks me down with kisses. You know, from an outside perspective, I probably looked crazy. The dog looked crazy. This could have gone a different way, but it didn't. Um, And this beautiful dog that I ended up taking in until I could find him permanent placement, he was met with so much stigma in the few weeks that I had him in my care that it was that's what opened up my mind to to animal welfare and, and this need to not just love animals but to actually proactively advocate for them. Um, there were no shelters in New York. Um, this was in the early 2000s. There were no shelters in New York that would take him because he was a pit bull mix. I went to my cat's veterinary office, seeing wanting you know at least a bowl of water and a leash because I'd caught him. You know I'm like holding on to him with a piece of rope at this point, and they because he was an intact um, male pit bull mix and big he had scars all over his face so he was in scraps you know don't know if he was used for fighting or what the history was I don't want to speculate but he had scars and they're like we want that dog out of our office now they wouldn't even help me and then you know make doing the phone calls and trying to find someone in the place to take him would kept hearing the same answer, no, we don't take pit bulls, we euthanize them, we euthanize them, we euthanize them. And I was like, how can this be? Like this is the modern age, we're in the 21st century, like how can people not take this amazingly sweet dog? Um, I had considered keeping him myself, but he wanted to eat my cat, so that was not gonna work out. Um, but I, um, after three weeks of, of taking care of him, I found um, a shelter, a rescue in Long Island who did not take pit bulls, but I was able to convince them to give him a shot. And they um, actually, um, they were very begrudging about it. I had to give them a sizable donation to take him. Um, and then after two weeks, I got a phone call from them saying, you will not believe this, he's already adopted. They're like, we don't we don't even adopt out our little Shih Tzus that fast and he's already adopted you you this dog has changed our mind about the breed you know and so and so it was this moment of oh my gosh like this one act of me just putting a rope on this dog and bringing him in and advocating for him not only changed his life it changed my life and it changed the you know the perspective of this one rescue in Long Island so that was I think my awakening Um, and then ever since then it's just it's been a passion.
0: We just love, I love your heart for Mm. this. I think it's, that's the reason that David and I started something like this was because of different things that he was saying he and his wife give to and my husband and I, we have three dogs. Our goal is to have like 20. My Mm -hmm. husband wants to have a separate house just for dogs that's right next door to our house and we just go over and hang out with the dogs all day, <laughs> but I think it's more about, it's not just about having the heart for it, it's also about having the action behind it mm-hmm. and the fact that you put so much time in and that just shows also I think with the Anti-Cruelty Society, if you're one of the people that works here mm-hmm. that everybody here is like that and we can mm-hmm. tell from walking in the door how much yeah. all of your staff loves what you do so much here and I think that's mm-hmm. so important for our city.
2: Yeah, and we need it and you know, there's, there's so many there's so many things that we as a community are are battling against and and trying to work together for but i think when we can find the things that connect us and pets are that thing like the mm-hmm. human animal bond is is such a unifying force and we recognize that and more and more people are recognizing that throughout chicago and it's it's amazing how you know of course we're focused on the animals but we also acknowledge that the people side of it is just as important, right? And so that connectivity and the passion we have, we hope to share with others and connect with the passion they have too.
1: This, we are the beneficiaries of a wonderful organization that you guys here. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for your time today. If you'd like to use her story about the Pitbull as a monologue, please go ahead and, um, you know, uh, just, you can you can Venmo her personally. Just mm-hmm. write in and I will make sure that happens. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I'm going to pass this over to Jess for one more question, but I just want to say, um, wow, that was just such a wonderful Mm -hmm. story. That's at the heart of what we all hope to do. It's, you know, you go through your Facebook uh, feed and you're like, all right, this sucks. This sucks. Oh, look at this actual (laughs) nice story of humans being humans. It's like great. And uh, it's just so great to have humans and and animals as part of our lives. And just what a great story. That's Mm -hmm. so great.
0: So part of our mission of the beautiful city project is to put action behind our love for things, our love for this city and our love mm-hmm. to make it be- our our desire to make it better. So mm-hmm. what would you say for the ACS looking forward, your mission is. What what are you guys looking for in your future?
2: yeah i'd say that our big vision right now is you know for 120 years we've been doing what we're doing now so well which is bringing the animals in caring for them loving for them you know beyond measure and taking that compassion that we put to action and just bursting it outside of our walls but not just as change agents ourselves but to really engage more of the community to do it right if it's if there's a hundred 10 staff in the building, Uh, and then we have about 600 volunteers, 400 fosters. So if you look at that pool of people, yes, that is a large group of people that's going to be willing to help, but what if each of those people could go out and engage someone, you know, to give their time, their talent, or their treasure towards this cause? We can, the change that's possible is just, it's astronomical, and so, and again, that change doesn't just involve helping the pets, it's also helping the people who are bonded to them and love them, and so to, to take that message out to the city and to say, you know, we we see the needs and we're capable in many ways to help, but also to connect people to this greater vision of just loving each other and using pets as the starting point of that.
1: I have to say something you said that really just rang to me is the concept of compassion in action. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something about, you know, there's lots of things that really affect us on a day-to-day thing and it's different for everyone and it's easy to just have that be in your brain and not put any actual mm. action behind it and I love that. Can, that, can we steal that for the for so our website do you think?
0: going to say that I think that we should use that as our tagline yeah. for all of our things with the anti cruelty Society and
2: we're probably going to make a really cool meme with it. Yeah memes are good. <laughs> wait,
1: wait so we can't have it ourselves because it's theirs is that what you're saying? Yeah it's No tagline. no be honest. But you can, come, you
2: can come and you know put your action here
1: you okay no, that's you can read some
2: books of the dog we're not gonna do thievery, dance for then. some
0: cats we can do a call to action
1: Ooh, this is good mm. friends I am over the moon excited about this first partnership cabaret that's coming up on january 6th we're gonna be partnering with the anti-cruelty society and these are just some of the best people in the world if you're looking mm-hmm. for a pet if you know someone who is um there are a lot of great organizations that you can get involved with um, but as you kind of heard from this um you guys gotta check this out gotta check it out gotta check it out and if you want to foster a dog or a cat for the holiday how mm-hmm. sweet would that be it's mm-hmm. like all sorts of love just
0: give someone a cat for christmas
1: give someone a cat for christmas <laughs> if there's one message that we want to leave you with Give someone a cat for Christmas. With Ask consent. them for No, <laughs> once a, see, that's the problem with consent. No. Consent. <laughs> thank you so much, Lydia, for joining us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, thank you. Guys. And that's a wrap for this week.
0: That's a wrap, David. Good talk.
1: Good chat. Thank you, Lydia. <laughs> thank
2: you, guys.